1: A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank, The bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify a bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. An economy is a living, breathing thing, and it has seasons. It has ups and downs, and over the last three or four years, I've been there seeing it go into a deep spin, spiral dive and come straight back out again. And after a period of intense shocks to not just the global economy, but our economy, we had COVID obviously, then we had these inflation surges and the big rises in interest rates and then we had the horrible floods at the beginning of the year. It's time to, after the dust has settled somewhat, think about how the economy's going and for the last three or four years, I've regularly sat down with Jared Kerr, the chief economist at Kiwi Bank, to shoot the breeze, chew the fat on what's happening with the economy. It's been an extraordinary right. So I decided to have a chat with Jared again because summer is coming. It turns out from his visits around the mortu that people are feeling a bit more confident. We can see it in the housing market. Um, It's not quite there yet, certainly the interest rate shocks have surprised a few people, but we learn this week in When the Facts Change with Jared Kerr all about what happens going into the summer, hopefully as El Nino arrives, the winter goes away and life starts to return to the economy again, this week on When the Facts Change. Well, kia ora to Jared Kerr, who is in here from Kiwi Bank as the Chief Economist. It's like getting the gang back together to have a good old rumble around in the economy. Great to see you here in the spin-off studios. Kia ora, Bernard, and uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, there's plenty on the go at the moment. We've just had the pre-election fiscal economic update to give us an idea of what the government thinks about where the economy's going. We're, the dust is settling now after all those rate hikes over the last year. And consumers are um, changing the way they're doing things. Firstly, let's start off with how consumers are feeling, Jared. Uh, what are you seeing through your card spending stats, and and now the dust settling? You know, what what are people doing?
0: There's still a lot of caution out there uh, in spending habits. So you know, we went we went through a period where we spent quite a lot of money. Uh, coming out of COVID. We spent a lot of money on our homes. We spent a lot of money on you know, furnishing our homes. Uh, that's, that seems to have finished. Uh, as of late last year, spending on big ticket items really has come off uh, and come off quite a lot. So I think the cost of living crisis is very real and, and, and we can see it. You know, People are spending more on groceries, but less on other things. Um, so, you know, spending on, on necessities, uh, is rising, uh, and, you know, a lot of that is, is fueled by inflation and inflation and nothing else, uh, and other things are being cut back on. So, you know, households are cautious. Uh, we have spent a lot of time on the road recently going around the regions, uh, and there is a hint of optimism out there, which is interesting, um, because I haven't seen that. In a long time, Uh, there is a a sense that things will get better next year, which is which is good. Um, And a lot of looking to uh, the election, and um, you know, regardless of of who they're voting for, they're they're kind of hoping for uh, either change or or more of the same um, to, to support their bias.
1: And the other big change that's happened in the last year or so is the population. Lots of migration. This week, we heard 96,200 net migrants coming into the country in the last year, which is a record high. How has the migration surge flowed through into our economy and the
0: figures? Well, I don't think it has yet. I think there may be elements of it beneath the surface. Uh, You know, people have been coming here for, for months now, and, and that's a very big number that you mentioned. I mean, that is a record number of people coming in, uh, in in one year. And more people is more demand for everything, right? They come here, they need a house, either a rental or they want to buy, so it's putting a bit of pressure in, in the housing market. They want a car, they want this, they want that. Uh, you know, it adds demand uh, for everything. So I, I think the numbers are stronger than what they would otherwise be, but the numbers are still weak. Um, so I don't think we've seen the full force of, of that migrant um, intake. It, it is complicating uh, the outlook somewhat because we look at migration through two lenses. First of all, we think, hey, there's more people to take the jobs that have been vacant for a very long time. Tick. That's great. And that puts downward pressure on, on wages. On the other hand, uh, we have not built for these people. We do not have the infrastructure for these people. We do not have the services for these people. And we definitely don't have the houses. So you bring 100,000 people in, you need to build at least 40,000 homes. We're not doing that. Uh, You know, building, residential building is coming off. Consents are coming off at precisely the wrong time. We really need to be doing more on the supply side of our economy. And so what's that imbalance
1: between the supply and demand doing to prices of houses but also rents?
0: Well, it's in its infancy. So I think we'll see over the over the summer period, uh, you know, over spring and summer I think we'll see a lot more activity in housing and I think we'll see upward pressure on prices and some of that will be attributed to more people uh, having migrated here, which you know, that's great. But you know, as I said, all of our problems in our housing market are supply side problems. We simply don't have enough. And until we properly address that, then we're going to, to keep focusing on the demand and saying, oh, we should try and, you know, rein in demand. Well, no. How
1: do we solve this supply side issue? Because, you know, it's been it's been something politicians and economists and um people like me have been hammering away at for Seems like decades now, but we still haven't got any, anywhere close to
0: it. Yeah, and I've been right there with you, Bernard, the whole <laughs> way. Uh, you know, my, my, my fist is is beaten up from uh, pounding the table over, over the years. But, you know, put simply, it, it starts with infrastructure. So we need to not only maintain the infrastructure that we have, which we're not doing, but we need to build infrastructure for a bigger New Zealand tomorrow. And that takes, you know, that takes a lot of money It takes some long-term thinking, not three-yearly election cycle thinking. It takes long-term thinking. Um, We have oodles of land and we have ample ability to intensify, uh, but we're not doing it. So until we can actually really think about how we can unlock uh, land and areas to be built on, we're just not going to get there. Uh, and then there's the modern technologies. I mean, we don't even have to invent anything. It's all, it's all been done overseas. You know, these uh, modular homes or prefabricated homes. The, the answers are there. They're doing it in Australia, and if the Aussies can do it, then geez, we can do it. Um, that that's the answer. But the pushback I get speaking to developers, even the Kyanga of of the of the uh, of our world, um, they need scale. So in order to go down this prefabricated route you'd need to set up a quite a decent size, you know, uh, factory and you would need to be turning over 1000 homes a year according to the builders that I speak to. These very large New Zealand builders only deal with sort of 2 to 300 homes a year, which is a lot, but we are a nation built up of many small builders rather than many a few large builders. It's one of the stunning things about our economy
1: that just about everywhere else, there's been a consolidation and a creation of scale in banking, in supermarkets, in fuel retailing, uh, even in media. But somehow in house building construction and development, we've got uh, a sea of relatively small players who are producing, you know, I think the the largest market player would have single-digit percentage uh, share of the market, whereas in every other industry, you know, they'd have 20 or 30 or, or 60 in the case of insurance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my wife and I built a place up in Mangawai. Uh We got a guy who was pretty much a, a ute and, and two, other, two other workers with him. He did an exceptional job, but you know he wanted to to take all that profit, and you can understand why uh, he can do it and and uh, he can take the profit rather than reporting into some larger entity. Uh, but I, unfortunately, in order to truly get the scale that we need, we do need this larger entity to get that economies of scale, which is an economist's way of saying the bigger you are, the the cheaper things become. Yeah,
1: and we're not seeing those sort of um, the benefits of scale and technology that you see in, say, consumer electronics or telecommunications or uh, even in some of the electrical um, equipment that we see. Just stepping back from the the broader structural issues, given that we seem to be struggling to deal with those, the result is that um, both the government and the Reserve Bank have to look at the cards that are played in front of them uh, the Reserve Bank has stopped putting up interest rates for now. What's your view on you know, where we go through the end of the year and into next year on the Reserve Bank interest
0: rate front? Well, I think they've done enough, and I think they know they've done enough. Uh, they've told us there are risks both ways. There are risks that they might have to hike again, you know, I get it, and there are risks that they might have to cut, you know, I get it, and, and actually that's what I think they will do. Um, but they're sort of central scenario that they're telling us is, at the moment, we're going to keep interest rates high for a long period of time, just to make sure that we break the back of the inflation beast and we get it back down to 2%. Okay, I get it. But what we're seeing is you know, quite a substantial slowdown already. Um, half of our mortgage book has rolled off onto much higher interest rates. We've already recorded a technical recession, the second half of our book is rolling off over the next 6 months. We think we will record another technical recession on the back of that. So we're going to be going into next year with, you know, nearly 18 months of, you know, very weak to contractions in economic activity and inflation in that world should be beaten. Uh, And I think the Reserve Bank will have enough information by May next year that they may come in and start cutting interest rates. And that's the next big move, I think, for interest rates. Um, And it'll be next year and you'll see, you know, mortgage rates going from the sevens to the sixes to the fives uh, as they look to normalise policy, which means, you know, take it back down to something which is, Nowhere near as restrictive, but certainly not stimulatory.
1: Because there must be a whole bunch of people in that second half of the mortgage book who are looking to roll shortly and going, "I wonder if we're going to hold on until the rates start falling."
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are most most mortgage holders have had their mortgage for for quite a while, and we're not really worried about them. They've they've been in the game for years. What we're worried about are those that have come into the market quite recently, um, and those that came into the market and were given a two point something percent mortgage rate. Now, they made decisions on that rate. We told them it was very low at the time, and we told them that they're likely to rise. But you know what people are like. They take the price, it's two point whatever percent, and now many people are surprised that it's seven plus percent. So are we, to be honest, we didn't think it was going to rise uh, this far. That is a massive shock. To to many households, right? You got an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You were paying twenty thousand dollars interest on it. Now you're paying fifty. You know where are you finding that extra thirty k? We've tested you at six and a half percent, right? So you should be able to pay up to there. But should and are are very different, right? You are now paying that higher rate. That money's got to come from somewhere, and we're seeing it in this in the spending data. Um, We're also seeing it in small businesses, right? Small businesses are are quite cautious right now.
1: When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank economist Sabrina Delgado on what's happening with the labour market in Aotearoa. Our slowing economy gives way to higher unemployment, and we're seeing tightness in the labour market quickly abating. Both a recovery on the supply side, with our surging migration, boosting labour supply, and loosening some very tight labour market conditions. But now a stronger narrative is coming through. As consumer demand cools, so too is the demand for labour. Firms are no longer hiring with the same gusto. Already, unemployment has started to lift from record lows, and we expect that to continue throughout 2024. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Sabrina and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. In New Zealand, uh, we have this history of, of not Uh, seeing a a real um, flow through of people not being able to pay their mortgages and then that flowing into the housing market. Unlike in the United States, 2007, 2008, where in some states you were able to send the keys back to the bank Mm. uh, to make sure that you didn't get stuck with a house that was worth less than your mortgage. New Zealand uh, has different laws apart from anything else, but also a real reluctance to to go there. Um, and it's interesting that even though there's been such a shock, and you're right, some small businesses have have really struggled, we haven't seen the mortgagee sales or the you know mass cascading you know closures that you might have seen in in another economy at another time.
0: Yeah, it's hard to compare us to the United States, particularly you know prior to two thousand and seven, there was a lot of dodgy practices going on. Over there, they were giving mortgages to people that you know shouldn't have shouldn't have had them. Right, um, the, the creation of credit was far too easy, far too cheap. Um, we have full recourse loans here, which is very different, right? Very different. And people, you know, choose to fight tooth and nail to to pay off their mortgage before just about anything else, right? So they'll cut spending on just about everything. What we need to see is actually a, a, quite a sharp increase in unemployment. So people will fight tooth and nail as long as they've got a job, but when you see a lift in the unemployment rate, well, you go into the bank and you're saying, I no longer have a job. Bank turns to you and says, well, there's a lot of things we can do to help you through, but, you know, after six months we start sort of saying, well, you know, we're running out of options here. That's when you see the lift in defaults, when people have been unemployed for a, for a significant period of time. We can defer payments, we can do lots of things, but if you can't you know, get a job, well, unfortunately, you end up defaulting.
1: And just thinking back over the last three or four years, you, you and I have had lots of um discussions about the economy. It's extraordinary times. I mean, no one would have thought at the beginning of COVID that we'd have an unemployment rate with a three in front of it, you know, two, three years down the track. And it seems to me all around the world, one of the astonishing things about these shocks that we've had, not just with COVID, but then rising interest rates, has been that unemployment has stayed remarkably low and employment growth just keeps on powering on. We're seeing it in the United States and Australia and definitely here. And that's one of the reasons why the whole economy has been so resilient. What's going on in the labour market that means unemployment staying so low and we just keep creating mm. new jobs?
0: I, I think what we've learnt, we already knew it, but what we, we had to learn so that other people knew it is, is that fiscal policy works. It really does. It's really quite powerful. Um, after 2008, we saw a lot of monetary policy response. So monetary policy response being, let's slash interest rates to near zero or negative in parts. Let's print money to make sure that all interest rates in the economy are really, really low. So that that worked. But what we found out over COVID is that when you do that and then the government comes out and sprays money around at the same time, well, that is a potent cocktail of policy. And, you know, we really did see a, a shunt higher in, in demand. There were supply issues that, that sort of started and then magnified the inflation issues that we've got now. But we, we cannot forget the fact that both monetary policy and fiscal policy working hand in hand really pushed our demand higher. Um, and I think that, that, you know, the wage subsidies clearly worked and that sort of goes into your point around the, the labour market. But the labour market has held up quite well because we have you know stimulated so well out of out of COVID. It was like we um, strapped on a turbocharger and then decided,
1: right, we're going to have the nitrous oxide as well, and off we went. Uh, now that we're um, through COVID, th- we're well, not through the higher interest rates, it, it, but the economy is still in a reasonably strong position, um, it's worth looking out past the borders to the rest of the world. There's stuff happening out there as well. Some parts of the world are doing better than others. You know, we're all watching what happens to the US Federal Reserve because that sets the base for all of our interest rates. What are you keeping an eye on in the coming you know,
0: months going into next year overseas? Yeah, so I actually start – overseas in, in my world. You know, New Zealand's a very small, just like Australia, very small, open economy, heavily influenced by what's going on overseas. What our trading partners do is key for us. And our trading partners, well, their growth has, has slowed quite dramatically, particularly China with the issues they have in their property markets. But, you know, in general, Chinese growth is, is very subdued. They're going into, you know, a new era of lower growth uh, we need to look to India uh, as our next major trading partner. We really need to focus on India. but hey let's let's talk about the hands that we, that we've been dealt now. Um, our trading partner growth has slowed a lot and we're seeing this in you know dairy prices having come off, meat prices, you know logs or all, all, all of the above demand for the stuff that we pull out of the ground uh, or, or grow on top of it has uh, has come off. So that's not good. Um, The New Zealand dollar is falling and will fall further, so that'll help exporters for a while. But I'm I'm looking at global growth, Bernard. Earlier, I'm looking at our trading partner growth and seeing how that's likely to evolve uh, from here. And it looks like a very slow to mild recovery at best. You mentioned the United States. You know they're doing reasonably well. They've got a very tight labour market. Their inflation rates fallen from you know nine to to three point two, three point six they're heading in the, in the right direction, but there are other parts of the world that aren't. Um, so it's quite a mixed picture offshore uh, and it's not that supportive uh, of of our economy at the moment. Just um,
1: coming back home and into the regions, um, you've just put out a, a regional report. Um, what parts of New Zealand are doing better or worse than the rest?
0: Well, it seems that the the South Island's doing a little better than the North. Um, we're getting higher scores both on the actual hard data that we've got uh, in, in the regions, but also the, the anecdotes that we're hearing, a little bit more uh, optimism out of the South Island compared to the North. Um, but I have noted that across many regions, um, there is optimism uh, starting to, to pick up, which was a bit of a surprise to us, and I think it's linked to the housing market. People think, you know, house prices are bottoming here, and most people are of the opinion that house prices will pick up and any national supporters out there are of the opinion that national will change things in a way that will, you know, help house prices even further. So I think that's even, you know, feeding into uh, the conversations.
1: Jared Kerr, the Chief Economist at KiwiBank, thank you very much for coming in to When the Facts Change. Great to see you in the studio for another romp around the global and local macroeconomy. When the Facts Chains was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off.